the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. Welcome to our Signing Day podcast. I am joined for this episode by Brad Geiger and Neil Langlet, and we're going to discuss one of the most important days on the college football calendar, Signing Day, with a quarter of CU's 2024 roster sending in their letters of intent. We first discussed the overall look of the CU recruiting class of 2024 and whether it was a success, the most four-star recruits ever signed in one day by a Colorado coaching staff, or whether it was a disappointment as the jewel of the class failed to sign his letter of intent and there are no surprise flips from other programs. We will then take a unit-by-unit look at the CU class of 24 which was dominated by signees playing in the trenches on both sides of the ball. There are also a few talented skill position players joining the herd, whetting the appetites of buff fans looking for even more spectacular plays next fall. So, should the buff nation be alarmed that Coach Prime and his staff only signed five freshmen? Did CU bring in enough offensive line talent in the Protect Shadur campaign to make sack reduction in 2024 a realistic possibility. Has the groundwork been laid for a winning campaign next fall? Or is there still plenty of work to be done in the transfer portal between now and fall camp to make a bull bid a realistic expectation? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back on signing day. Welcome to Brad Geiger and Highlands Ranch. How's Brad doing this evening? Brad loves signing day because this is the day of optimism. It is a glorious day. Well, obviously, you haven't spent the entire day on the message board. <laughs> <laughs> glorious optimism is not the way I'd phrase some of the message boards today um neil uh, are you gloriously optimistic in uh downtown denver neil langland how are you doing i'm fine thank you good evening brad good evening Stu. uh if you like roller coaster rides in the ebb and flow of depression and ebullience this is the day for you so we've had some of that here and we're still i guess stuck in one of those areas where we're not sure which way it's going to go yeah, well, 
you know, to be topical and timely, you know, we talk about doing it on signing day, but signing day goes through Friday. We're not done with signing day. And of course, the question that's been on everyone's lips for the last 12 hours or so, as we record on Wednesday night, December 20th, is what is going to happen with Jordan Seaton? And, you know, this is a guy that last week went on what's the name of the undisputed no disputed uh i can't remember the the name of it but uh he went on there and put on his sunglasses and see you stuff and uh said i'm a buff and i'm with coach prime and next week we're still waiting to see who jordan seaton's going to sign with the uh, spent part of the day thinking he was going to be a maryland commit and then now everybody apparently is back in the fold and back in the running and the money ball people from Oregon and Alabama and other places are, are going to get involved. So does this throw a damper on the entire day that CU's highest rated offensive lineman ever and one of the top five, potentially top five recruits in uh, terms of rating ever is not a buff today? Having Jordan Seaton sign with you is a massive win particularly given CU's offensive line problems. But we all have to realize that spending your life excited about the decisions of 17 and 18-year-old kids, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to have some issues. And this is how this is going to work. It would be great if he signed. Obviously, we want him here. Um, Jordan, if you're listening, because I'm sure you are, we would love you at CU and you will be a great player. But we have to remember that this is, in the end, kids making decisions. And we never know why they might. And especially in the world of NIL, where you know the bidding that used to go on behind the scenes now goes on in front of the scenes, it's really hard to decide what's going to happen. Yeah, well, Neil, I mean, there were no surprises in terms of positive surprises. There were no um, surprise commitments. There might still be one in the next couple of days. But um, on Wednesday, all the commitments, five freshmen, 16 transfers were all known commitments to Colorado. Were you disappointed that there was no Cormani McLean or other four or five star player that flipped from another school to Colorado today? You know, the overall quality that they had, I think, on average, was second only to that of Georgia, I believe, according to one of the uh, national websites, maybe 24-7. So I think in terms of it, the class is small, but it's high quality, even without Seton. I think it's it's one of the better classes CU has had in a long time. Yeah, I was a little disappointed we didn't get more O-linemen and that we had one get plucked away from Oregon the other not get qualified because of JUCO credits. I thought they had that stuff ironed out by now, but apparently not. And now the plum of the class really is um, up for up for auction. The other thing is that our D linemen, our D tackles, yeah, we've got guys. I'm not sure if they're players or just guys yet. We seem to have gotten some size, especially. The uh, 5'10", 300-pound guy, a little bowling ball, strong kid, could be very helpful in the middle. We'll just have to wait and see. 
I think last year I was over optimistic from some of the transfers that came in and probably didn't do as well as we had hoped at the power five level. I think some of that may be operating here. And I think we have good opportunities with some of the guys that are coming in that are from big schools that haven't played a lot. And I'm optimistic maybe this time that we have some guys that'll stick and actually contribute. So hopefully that was the that was one of the good things that happened today. Okay. Well, Brad, the raking uh, Neil alluded to, you know, is 21st right now. Um, overall, of course, the freshman class is getting perilously close to, you know, triple digits. I think 99th is last time I saw it being rated. But 21st with Seton, 28th without Seton. Uh, last year's class was 21st. Other than that, in the last decade, CU hasn't been in the top 35. 36th with Mel Tucker before he, well, right before he left, he signed the 36th rated class and then ditched us a couple weeks later. And then coming off the 10 and 4 season in 2016, the 2017 class was ranked 35th. So have we become super spoiled that quickly that we are disappointed that we don't have a, a higher ranked class? I mean, he put... Coach Prime put together a 21st ranked class in about three weeks last year. He's had 52 weeks to put this class together and not much better, if at all better. Well, yes, we're spoiled, is a short version of it. Dion last year showed the way. And football coaches elsewhere are not stupid. Everybody's trying to figure out the transfer portal. An argument can be made that Prime figured it out first. And so, honestly, if you're a CU fan who's disappointed, you just haven't been paying attention the last 10 years. This is a more talented team than it was two years ago. This is a more talented team than it was last year. Deion Sanders has made the decision that for now, because he's rebuilding a roster that was substandard, I hate that word, but it's true, that for now he is going to pick people with talent. That is a completely reasonable thing to do. And the fact that other people are competing in the transfer portal just means he has to work harder. But there is, I'm less concerned about the national consensus about our overall. I'm more happy with the fact that Dion knew where his flaws were and found people to fill those positions. And I think that's where the strength of this class is. Okay. Well, Neil, Coach Prime said he never wanted to have more than like 20% of his class be freshmen, but that would be about 17. I don't think even Dave Platt, can go back, you know, have to go back to leather helmets to find a freshman class of five. Of course, decades of that was not with the transfer portal, but are you a little bit concerned that this is all for 24 and 25 and that coach prime is not least at this point, not paying much attention to what his roster might look like in 26 or 27, or is this just the way it's always going to be? You're just going to get 18 seniors and grad students in, you know, in your new class and only have a handful of freshmen. I am um, in a couple of dimensions. One is that it takes time to grow 
linemen, offensive and defensive linemen, de uh, defensive tackles, and all five positions on the O-line. And of course, there is a premium on those players in the transfer portal. And we had a few that were highly rated that were interested in CU, even snagged a few. But as I mentioned earlier, we got one bit away from us. So that leads me to believe that part of that freshman class has to be heavy in linemen that can hit the weight room for a year or two and then become contributing players. That's the weakness, I think, so far in the approach we've seen. Uh, maybe I'm being too harsh, but I'm a little concerned that we haven't improved very much along the lines at this point. And we probably need some freshmen and underclassmen to work their way into that rotation at some point. I think it's a bit risky to rely on the portal every year to fix your lines. And that's why I would criticize that. But in terms of skill players, Prime is excellent at attracting those guys and needs to keep doing it. The receivers that we uh, ran with this year were excellent. They were fun to watch, very productive. But uh, I think there needs to be more of a blend of the homegrown guys uh, and transfers. Okay. Well, let's run through the the roster, the the different units, and the 21 new buffs as we speak on signing day evening. Uh, Brad, I'll start with you with the quarterbacks. Coach Prime said he wanted experienced backups for Shadur. He did sign two Power Five, well, two SEC quarterbacks in Destin Wade and Walter Taylor. One is very tall, and one I think you texted me was just an add-on because we got his brother. Um, <laughs> what what do you make of Destin Wade of Kentucky and Walter Taylor of Vanderbilt? And I don't mean to minimize Destin Wade. Obviously, his brother, the linebacker, was the more immediate need. You know, everybody thought coming out of high school, Wade could play. Destin Wade could play. And there's no reason to believe he can't. And he has time to do that. And so I don't mean to minimize that at all. We have to have a backup quarterback. We have to have somebody learning because there is zero chance Shadur Sanders plays after at CU after 24. Absolutely zero. And so I am very glad to get them. They're just, you know, Destin Wade could be the quarterback of this team in the future. I need to see more. Couldn't get on the field at Kentucky except in a strange circumstance in the bowl game. Right. Uh, nobody should judge him for that. This is how this works nowadays. He's seen SEC championship. I think he's probably going to be the number two guy, and I like having a number two guy. Yeah, that's nice to at least have a quality backup there that's not a holdover from the 2021-2022 type teams. Neil, you already talked about uh, Micah Welch, the running back. I mean, he's the only running back commit. Take it, you're impressed. Think he could contribute right away? You know, I'm hoping that he can. Dylan Edwards, uh, if he gets a crack, he can run through it and make guys miss. But he needs, needs to be able to run through contact, and he really can't. So I'm hoping that we have someone that can do it. Welch could be the guy. 
McCaskill is still somewhat of a question mark, his slow recovery from the injury. He's obviously talented, as we saw in his few appearances. I'm not sure how he fits in. Um, I like Wilkerson, uh, also a powerful guy. And I think we've got, got that covered. This was a strength in the team last year. I think it is even stronger this year. Okay. Yeah, he's, even though he's not very big, 5'9", but he's 210, and he did average eight yards a carry, I guess, when you're going up against high school kids. You're, you're that big, you know, that low to the ground and strong. You're probably going to get uh, run over a few, you know, 180-pound defensive linemen. We'll see how he does, whether or not he's going to contribute as a freshman. Well, Brad, we got uh, one, two, three, four new wide receivers. And uh, a couple of them are got a lot of uh, stars next to their names. What it, what uh, what impresses you about the skill position improvement at the wide receiver position? Everybody's got to be a little surprised that this was a focus because, you know, we got some guys who can play that position. But, you know, Will Shepard and who I like a lot, he seems to have good size. This is an intra that I don't know how they fit more people in that room. <laughs> I assume they're meeting the wide receivers room is one in one of the big classrooms because there's a lot of good guys there. And, and we should be aware that there's going to be some winnowing of that at some point, but every one of these guys can play. They can do it. You got to give Dion credit. He went and found some more toys for Shadur. And these guys I think are going to make, even better. If you're a, I mean, we're going to the, to the big 12. And if they don't run four wide receivers, they run five. And if they could run six, they would. So we're just going to flood the field with guys who can run and jump and play. And I think it's going to be fun to watch because, you know, what you see from, especially these transfers, especially guys like uh, Cordell Russell, there's a lot of talent in that room. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stick with the wide receivers with you, Neil, because Fred alluded to, I mean, the talent, Brian Howell gets credit for this one. He posted a tweet that four of the five highest rated wide receivers at 24-7 sports, you know, on the roster right now or will be on the roster, that uh, Draylon Miller is the highest rated wide receiver C has ever had. And right behind him is Cameron McKell, the athlete. So 224 oh. wide receivers that are in the one and two. Number three is Adam Hopkins from last year. Then Paul Richardson, who's a, a name that we might be familiar with. And then Omari and Miller, who was also brought in last year. Hmm. So four of the five highest rated at 24-7 sports wide receivers in CU history are going to be on the roster this year so excited about that or you just think we should have more linemen <laughs> well gee i think i know the right answer to that one um, <laughs> but i think despite the appearance that we had some receivers step up at certain times, like for 
a while in the beginning of the year, we had the receiver of the week and then that guy would sort of fade away. So my guess is these new guys, including the freshmen, are going to come in and push for, if not starting jobs, then significant snaps. And I think the talent there is probably even better than it was last year. Plus, we have uh, one of those guys that returns punts, maybe kickoffs too. So it's covering a need there. Lineman, I, I just, I don't want to be a, a one-trick pony here, but I'm just not comfortable with what we've gotten here in the portal. And I'm worried about the guys that we didn't get, the two guys we didn't get, and now Seton, maybe who we were sort of penciling in to play left tackle. That's going to that's gonna be a big hurt if he doesn't materialize. So I, my guess is that we'll see some attrition from the O-line group uh, after spring ball. And we may be able to bring in another guy or two to help fill that, that room, if you will. Okay. Well, you kind of drifted away from the wide receivers. So apparently it is not uh, significant in your role. But how about the, uh, the hybrid? You uh, always want a tight end. You got a tight end for Christmas. You know, four-star. I'm going to get his name butchered. But Shamon Metier played at Cincinnati. Is there a future for a tight end at the University of Colorado? Or is this just the same song, different verse, different year? Colorado is going to talk about tight ends and once again not have tight ends because Michael Harrison, the only tight end that saw any real action last year, is now playing for San Diego State and Sean Lewis. Well, the short answer is I don't know. And it's hard for me to for to think that anyone knows until we settle on an OC and an offensive scheme. I think with the uh, the guy that departed, he was pretty much dedicated to not having a traditional size tight end and to use wide receivers instead of a tight end. However, uh, I think we learned, you know, in the last quarter of the season that perhaps we needed a tight end to help Max protect a real tight end and that's when we put Zelinkas in as a wing back or as a tight end so I'm thinking that there's going to be more room for a traditional Y type tight end this year assuming that that guy can move a little bit like Harrison did I think that would be a great addition but without knowing whether it's going to be Leftwich or the other guy that ended the season hard to answer that question Okay. Well, we'll see if Pat Shermer is really going to be the man um, or if it's going to be somebody else. Uh, saw that Warren Sapp graduated, so he might officially become part of the defensive coaching staff here at some point. So, Brad, I, I kind of manipulated so you could talk up the old offensive line recruits before Neil told, tells us that they're not a, the volume and quality is not enough. It seemed like there are four transfers coming in with a lot of experience and even some size three of the four are over mm -hmm. 300 pounds which is neil's benchmark the other one's 287 so tell me some good things about the uh the offensive line and uh, the future at the university of colorado there is no doubt that these four guys are equivalent to or likely better than who we had starting would i've loved kept van wells would i've loved keep Tank, yeah. 
But each one of these guys has started. Each one of these guys has played, with the exception of Mayers, in a big-time program. They all have the ability to do this. So there is every reason to believe we will be better in terms of talent. If I am to anticipate Neil, and he knows this stuff better than I do, what we have yet to see is that there is somebody on the CU staff who can develop an offensive line as a unit. And that is what spring practice will be about. That is what fall practice will be about. Keeping these guys healthy, making them into a unit. Because there were times last year that we had five guys playing who appeared to be playing five different philosophies. (laughs) That has to get better. Yes. Well, Neil, I mean, let me run through these guys here. Yeah, Curry Walker was a full-time center at UConn. Four-star Tyler Johnson from Houston was a starting left guard. Supposedly gave up two sacks and 890 snaps. Khalil Benson from Indiana has two years left. 1,400 snaps at Indiana, played right guard and right tackle. And Justin Mayers from UTEP, the only non-Power 5 guy coming in. Well, uh, UConn is not a Power 5 school, but Justin Mayers, 1,700 snaps and started every game last year at left guard and was the highest number seven in the transfer portal for interior linemen. So you got four starters right there, right? We're good. Sure seems that way. And, you know, with Tyler Brown perhaps fitting in there as well. Right. Uh, I just remember being so optimistic last year with some of the guys that were coming in, some with the Power 5 experience that didn't pan out. So I guess I would like to know whether they were attracted here or whether they felt they had to move from their current school. That's going to tell us a lot about how they're going to play this coming year. But on paper, Brad's right. This is a definite improvement. Not to put words in your mouth, Brad, from last year, but uh, I, I agree with you that we're better on paper than we were last year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at least there's a start. And of course, there's some attrition to come. Probably Brad alluded to, you know, from the wide receiver room, there's going to be some losses there, maybe from the defensive backfield, but we're probably right about 85 between 80 and 85 scholarships, depending on the numbers that you're looking at right now. So there's going to be room for more offensive linemen coming in as from the transfer portal. They might not be as highly rated because we're, you know, most of those got signed today, but um, we'll see what more they can bring in because, you know, protecting Shadur is job one of this offense going into 2024. Brad, the other area of concern was the defensive line and the buffs loaded up with defensive linemen uh, at least in terms of bodies you know two freshmen and two three four depending on maybe five depending how you list keaton wade defensive linemen so a couple of them are four stars uh is this enough to give you optimism about the defensive line and the edge rushers, outside linebackers, edge of the defense, um, a significant improvement, or is there still more to be gained? We've got guys who've played. We've got guys who've played at high at high levels or in high-level conferences. 
I think we are probably better. I thought the defensive line got better as the season went on. And I think there is room. Again, this is a talent improvement by everybody who judges these things. If you watch some of the stats on Keaton Wade, that kid can play. Um, and I, you know, what if an edge rusher is a linebacker or a defensive lineman, we don't care anymore. I think that guy will improve the pass rush. Nwanko is one of those just 5'11", 295, and hard to move. If you watch some of the stuff, they double teamed him, and he just said, no, I'm not going anywhere, which was not somebody we had on the roster last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think if, that, if he chooses to be who we think he can be, we're going to be stronger. Again, we're playing in a different conference. Um, there is most of the time, I was going to say there is no Utah, but of course there is a Utah. you know most of the time you're not going to be facing 20 25 rushes so if we've got a guy who can hold that spot for that moment and let everybody else get to it i think we're better i think um and again these guys have played top in quality and so i you know i appreciate that they understood this was a flaw and they went after it okay well neil do you have a a favorite out of all these, uh, there's a couple of four stars in there. You got a mix of young guys, which you want to develop. And then you got some uh, power five guys that are coming in. Is there a, a favorite of yours or somebody you think is going to make an immediate impact along the defensive line come September? Under both criteria. Yeah. Brad mentioned Keaton Wade and I'm impressed with him. We didn't have much of a pass rush last year, either from the inside or the edge. I think this kid can make a difference and help us get to the quarterback or at least move him off his spot and give others a chance to pressure or even sack. So having that kind of guy, I think he's my fave so far. Okay. Any uh, concerns there Any about whether or not they're coming or, you know, the LSU, like Quincy Wiggins, you know, he's, Top player in the state of Louisiana, but he didn't play at LSU for the last two years. Um, you got Nwanko, you mentioned, uh, Makina Barnes from Alabama. He was Charles Kelly, defense coordinator, was recruited by him when Kelly was at Alabama. Uh, Keaton Wade certainly seems like a, a winner. And then you got four-star Brandon Davis Swain. I think, you know, going back to the recruiting stuff, he is the second highest rated edge player in uh, 24-7's database for recruits received. Either one of you want to guess as to uh, who the highest rated defensive end slash rush edge rusher that sees that? I'll give you the year, 2009. Freshman coming in in 2009 that would be rated higher than Brandon Davis Swain is. Uh, No, I can't. Drawing blanks. Yeah, it was Nick Casa. Yes. So, Nate you know. Career. Yeah. He so, played. yeah. So even though he's a freshman and, you know, he's probably not going to be the contributor that you want this year, but uh, in terms of development and things like that, that uh, not so bad going forward. I forget where I will we'll go with it. Neil, well, there's not a whole lot of linebackers on the list. 
So does that mean that CU is set at linebacker or is CU going to have to go shopping for linebackers? You know, in formulating this, we sort of, I sort of thought about it, uh, position groups that improved, those that stayed the same and those that maybe still need some work. And I think part of the problem uh, last year was inside linebacker and it was problematic to the point that we moved a 205 pound safety down in as an inside linebacker. And so far, I think we've not filled that uh, through the transfer portal. So that could be something where we might want to go shopping again in May. Or even between now and January. I mean, there's try and get some of these guys enrolled for January and so they can play in the spring. So, yeah, I mean, Keaton Wade kind of, you could say, is a linebacker, but yeah, he's probably going to be on the outside. So really not. And I think there was a quote from Coach Prime that said that they're still looking for linebackers, a couple of DBs, then they're going to call it good. Brad, only one true defensive back, but uh, a pretty good one. Oh, Preston yeah. Lodge. He's coming from Liberty, but uh, one of the higher rated you know, specimens out there in the defensive backfield. And he is a quick twitch, good ball player. Liberty is one of those programs that if you haven't paid attention in the last couple of years, you go, huh? But, you know, they have bought themselves a program. <laughs> and let's be honest. And Hodge can play. Um, if you watch some of his stuff, he's got quick twitch fibers. He can play back there. I like that. I think that was a nice addition. I think he is going to have a chance to play. And again, our defensive backfield can play. Yeah, and you have to. We're in the Big 12. You're going to be playing a lot of nickel and a lot of dime packages. Right. And to get somebody who can come in like Preston Hodge, and I think day one in August, be out there probably as a nickel back or maybe starting, is a big get. Obviously, I would like to be building some guys, but I, I like our defensive backfield. Okay. Neil, are we kind of set at defensive backfield and the addition of Preston Hodge going to make a significant impact? And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, between Travis Hunter and Carmonty McLean and Carter Stoutmeyer. I mean, there, there's a lot of talent back there. Are we uh, to the position where it's okay not to have a bunch of defensive backs? Like you said, Coach Prime kind of alluded that he was still shopping for defensive backs, but do you think we're set there or is that the still an area of need. I, I think I agree with Brad. This is a pretty strong room overall. McLean was coming on toward the end of the year, starting to, to get it. And with his talent and length and speed, I think we pencil him in probably as a starter, one of the other spots opposite Hunter. O'Marion Cooper showed well last year at times. He also mentioned Stoutmeyer. I think that's a strong group, and it has, has some good frontline talent, but also some depth. I'm not sure if Coach Prime was referring to corner or safety. Mm -hmm. We can improve some inside linebacking. We can get Trevor Woods back at one of the safeties, and Shiloh has just turned into a wrecking ball back there. So I, I think we're strong at that position, and Cameron Silman Clay, uh, Craig played well for us back there. Yeah. I think it's a strength right now. 
And you could argue that that's the best room in the team. Yeah. Yeah. You know. did well too. Then, yeah. then and the guys are trying to cover in practice, the wide receivers. Well, and, you know, Shadur on his own. Or, yeah. So <laughs> let me put this, you know, again, we're probably in between 80 and 85 scholarship right now. So there's going to be more attrition, more players who are going to want to get out either now or at the end of spring. Yeah. So, Brad, let's say if I gave you eight to 10 scholarships to play with, where would you want to focus your attention saying that you get a high three star, you know, probably not a lot of four and five star players out there to be shopping for at this point. If I gave you eight or 10 scholarships to work with between now and the end of spring, where would you focus your attention? I'd take three outside linebackers. I'd take another receiving tight end. I'd take a something that looks like an old fashioned fullback. I'd take a, somebody who, when you need three yards, will get you three and a half and fall forward. Um, <laughs> and by the way, that when that blitzing inside linebacker comes up, can blow him up. So um, those those are where I would focus. I still think I would like to be stronger up the middle. Okay, Neil. Same same question. If I gave you eight to ten. Are they all linemen, or are you going to spread out your eight to ten scholarships a little bit? <laughs> I think we're badgering the witness here. <laughs> Just yeah. acknowledging your expertise, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess here's what I would do. I would look for two inside linebackers to provide a starter and perhaps a reliable backup that could go between the two. Um, I'm still hoping Demoy Kennedy can come forward and realize some of his potential. I would look for another outside linebacker. I would, I like the idea of a fullback. I love that idea, Brad. That's great. We need something like that. We need somebody that's 240 pounds and can just push people back and get across the goal line or uh, the line to gain. And then I would spend the rest on O-linemen and D-linemen tackles. D tackles and all positions on the offensive line. I think we're going to miss Van Wells, uh, Brad, as you said earlier. And I know I noticed that he and Tank both landed at Oregon State. And I guess what I'd like to see is Phil Lodehart, Lodehold come through as the offensive line coach that attracts players and can really get these guys to play as a unit. We're putting a lot of chips on him this year. I hope he can come through. Okay. Well, getting back to just, you know, the class in general, you got, depending on your know, rec recruiting service, you'll get between nine and 10 four-star players. And I did, I was going to do this this afternoon. I never got the chance to look back at how many four-star recruits CU has signed in the last decade, not counting last year. And I would be not surprised if there were, you know, 10 four stars over the decade. Oh, yeah. And yet, uh, you know, we talked about being spoiled here. Is there any reason for concern here that having a full year to recruit and, you know, having coaching staff in place, having the proof of concept that we talked about earlier in the year that, you know, you can win ranked against ranked teams on the road like TCU and things like that? that 
You can make money at Colorado if it's being in Coach Prime's miniseries or doing commercials. Is there any reason to be concerned that this class wasn't in the top 20 and that there weren't a couple of five stars to go with those four stars? Or is this probably the ceiling for the University of Colorado, even under Coach Prime? Do we have a reason to expect more than we got? This is the ceiling for a four-win team. If we can develop some of this talent, if we can win more, if we can be the exciting offense that we think this is going to be in the Big 12, then it will get better. I mean, in the end, we are recruiting. We are still punching above our weight. There is no doubt about that. Coach Prime gets us into stuff, into rooms we would not be in. Were there any other coach? If he can turn that into wins, and I continue to believe he can, then the ceiling gets higher. Neil, what are your thoughts? Well, there's two effects here, really, which is, as Brad said, Coach Prime's charisma and ability to get in places we would never have gotten before. And he's been proving that by getting four-star talents and five-star talent to follow him here and to come here after he's had a year to show what he can do. The other effect I think that's limiting is NIL and it's operating now as we speak and has operated in the last week. So the, the question is coach prime versus NIL, which is stronger. And I think up to this point, coach prime has been able to compensate very well for CU's lack of NIL relative to other Hmm. the big money schools is is that really true though i mean if you can get you know i don't know what they're paying like shane Coates to be a guest star on coach prime's miniseries but if you can funnel money to your players through coach prime's endorsements and through his product placement there's it may not be nil money it might not be coming from the 5430 collective it might not be coming from buffs for life but their dollars to be made you know Shadur is making his own commercials Travis Hunter's making his own commercials don't you think there's a pitch there to be made that you can make money as NIL was actually intended to be not pay for play <laughs> but actually name image and likeness that CU might not be as a great a disadvantage or is the the saga involving Jordan Seaton and perhaps going to the highest bidder more an example of the fact that, yes, yeah, CU is uh, second tier when it comes to competing for the top talent? Uh, I think you raise good points. And I think some of that we won't know the answer for until the fall. But we lost a player to Georgia Tech today, I believe, a linebacker. That may not be an NIL thing. That could just be a last-minute kid, 17-year-old, changing his mind. I was, I was really torqued that we lost that O-lineman to Oregon after he'd come here. Mm -hmm. and, but I saved, I saved a little anguish for Seton. And if we can overcome and still get Seton to come here, and that Coach Prime can get him going, earning some extra money, then I'll say that Coach Prime has been able to overcome that. And it's primarily Coach Prime that's going to get these kids here and get 
them placed. You're right, Stuart. Excuse me, I'm not how sure and how large that effect can be. So um, we're going to let you guys go. We're going to get together probably at the end of the year here, or at the beginning of the new year, and you know, talk about any new recruits that didn't show up on signing day and talk about any new transfers in and, wait for it, out of the program and start looking towards 2024. So thank you guys for your time, and we will talk at you soon. Take care, guys. Good to see you. Happy holidays and happy new year. Happy holidays to everybody listening and uh, go Buffs. Thank you both for listening to this podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation. I hope you are subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See With the Game website. I will be back in two weeks when we will be taking your questions in our first mailbag edition of the new year. If you have questions about CU and your buffs, just drop me an email at cuatthegame at gmail.com. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.